This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Views on View. My name is Chris Fritz from the View Court team. And today on our panel, we have Eric Hanchett, software developer, author of Vue.js in Action. Hey, hey. We also have Divya Sasidaran, View developer, speaker, and contributor. Hello. And today, our guest is Mitchell Garcia. Mitchell, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, I'm Mitchell Garcia. Um, I run the blog frontendsociety.com. We focus uh, almost entirely on Vue.js, so that's my main thing, blogging. Cool, cool. And so how, how long have you been using Vue now? I've been using Vue for about a year professionally. Um, I've always been kind of, you know, watching it in the background, though. What first turned you on to it? Uh, to be honest, it was the single file components. That was one of the things that uh, it, it's, it definitely made sense to have everything in the same file. And Vue's implementation of doing it in a single file component was the easiest to learn and introduce, you know, mm, especially yeah. with a team of, uh, especially with a team of kind of full stack developers, it's easier to sell them as opposed to uh, JSX and CSS and inline, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Where's yeah, they don't the, have to learn the, like a new paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the developers already using React? And did you have to move them over? Have have they moved over to Vue when in your professional workspace? Yeah, where I'm at um OZK Labs, we did uh Angular project to a Vue project. And that was a pretty effortless transition because a lot of the directives we use were the same exact thing. Uh, the only Thing that you really had to learn was single file components. And even then, there's, there's nothing to learn. You know, it's just that you put everything in the same file. And um, there's, yeah, it, there was nothing to learn, which is why we picked it. <laughs> yeah, and so for those who might not know what single file components are, I mean, you, you talked about putting everything in the same file. What does that mean? Yeah, the single file components. So there's uh, the dot view files, they're also called. Um, and basically, Vue has the, the Webpack loader, which will take a Vue file, which consists of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, um, all in the same file. So you don't have these .css files, you don't have .html, you don't have .js, you have a .view file, which consists of all of those. And it'll take it and basically uh, parse it into something that the browser understands, and it, it turns it into JavaScript. So it's a good way of separating things into components because when you build it out in a single file component, you are thinking about your HTML, your CSS, and your JavaScript all within this isolated context, you know, as opposed to as a separate file or in a, even like a separate folder. It's all tightly coupled. It makes it much easier to write those tightly coupled components. Mm, okay. So pl playing devil's advocate idea, or playing devil's advocate for a moment, is that actually a, a good idea? Like, isn't that like the opposite of separation of concerns? Like, shouldn't we have our HTML all in one place and our CSS all in one place and then our JavaScript all in one place? Yeah, yeah, we should. No, um, the separation of concerns on the front end is different than separation of concerns in technology. When you, when you separate concerns, you're separating what you're actually thinking about. So when you build a view component, that's a single singular concern. What it consists of, whether that be CSS, HTML, or JavaScript, doesn't matter. So when you separate your HTML and your JavaScript, you're not separating concerns, you're separating technologies. They're very tightly coupled. Okay, so we're, we're integrating concerns that yeah. previously were like all over the place in our app. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool. And are there any other like advantages to single file components besides you know just organization? Uh, what can you do? So yeah, I mean, you can do custom blocks, which is something we actually do with my team at OZRK Labs. Uh, we have documentation in line with the component too. Uh, they just introduced that where you can specify 
a custom type of content. So it's not just HTML, CSS, JavaScript. It can be docs. It can be internationalization content. It can be, you know, literally anything. It's super flexible. Cool. How does and that work? With the docs or the, the custom blocks. Yeah, the custom blocks. Can you, can you expand on that a little bit? I haven't heard of that. Yeah, so you, um, you can specify in your view loader config whether or not you want a, uh, like a specific block to be parsed with a specific loader. So like for ours, we have a open bracket, doc, close bracket, and then we write out the documentation, then we close it out, kind of just how you do the template. And then in the Webpack config, we basically specify with anything in the doc tag, use this loader. And our loader will uh, parse it out and add it to a markdown file that is included just in the readme. Oh, cool. Yeah, super cool. Awesome. Have you seen, besides documentation, you also mentioned internationalization. Have you seen other examples of custom blocks that you found really interesting? Oh, man, that's that's about it. And that's the main um, concern. I'm, have you guys seen any? I haven't. I haven't seen any in the wild yet. I just know it's possible. <laughs> I've seen some for uh, unit tests. Oh, yeah, so that the, actually the makes it a lot test of sense. Inside. No, I, I personally prefer to keep unit tests in a separate file just because like, unit tests can get so big. Yeah. And it's um, super easy. Uh, they can get... Yeah, it's the same point you had where it's going to be larger than the actual component and there's going to be a lot of context that you just don't really care about when you're working on the component. Yeah. Yeah. It, with, you know, the script and CSS and JavaScript, you know, I'm often jumping between those, but I'm usually not, you know, jumping back and forth between the test and those other sections, except when I'm writing the test, like, and yeah. then I've, I've written the test yeah. and then it's done. Yeah. You don't, you don't flip through tests every now, just all the time. I've, no, it's, I, yeah, generally not necessary. Yeah, yeah unless un, until expectations change. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, some of the blog posts that you've written, it seems like one of the things you really like about Vue is, you know, the component system and the modularity. And there was one post that you, that you wrote about global registration with Vue.component. And I think you were, you were arguing that people should not ever use global registration with view.component. Is that accurate or is there more nuance there? That, that is accurate. And that, so that article accidentally got popular. And I think because people thought I was saying, do not use components. And they got very excited because they were like, what's after components? What's next? Um, but what I was saying is view component offers, uh, or view offers a method called component where you can register a component basically globally so you can access it anywhere in the template. And to me, uh, and you can see in the article, uh, you can just search why you shouldn't use view component. Uh, you can read that. Uh, to me, that's just uh, not really the best practice most of the time. I mean, like most things, never say never. I think 95% of the time, though, you should explicitly define a dependency. So what are some exceptions? When might it be okay to globally register a component? Kind of, I, I think it kind of just depends on the scale of what you're actually working on. So if, uh, and that's my perspective too, like a lot of the work I'm doing is in uh, super long-term financial products with teams of six to 10 people. So uh, we are super, super anxious about the introduction of any global in the code base whatsoever, because there's no guarantee that uh, you'll be working on that same project forever. You know, like we have so many people just working on so many different projects that you, you cycle through. Um, so it depends on scale. So there's a difference between large scale data intensive internal application with 10 developers working on it and like a, a two-person marketing website or something like a, a startup. If you're doing like a, a smaller scale startup website, the globals do make sense because they're very easy. And so uh, apart from scale, uh, there are also different kinds of apps. Like sometimes you have a, you know, a single 
so-called single page application where Vue is basically taking care of the entire front end. And sometimes it's integrated into you know, some kind of backend technology like Rails or Django or something like that, where you have templates uh, that the, the backend takes care of. And then sometimes you just use Vue to add like little bits of special interactivity. You know, so you, you'll drop in components, but otherwise you're writing normal HTML and, you know, you're using whatever the, the templating engine that the backend server provides. Mm-hmm. In those cases, would you say that people shouldn't use Vue.Component? You know what? You actually, no, I would not say that. I would say that it only makes sense really to avoid using Vue.Component if Vue manages your entire website where it, it is a single page app using Vue Router, Vuex, and Vue, you know, and it's interacting with the API uh, and then updating the DOM that way as opposed to being rendered by a server. So yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good point. And that is a time when you should use a Vue.component. Yeah. Got it. And then uh, you mentioned you make some exceptions in scale sometimes. So if it's, uh, you know, maybe a small team and a small app, maybe it's okay to use Vue.Component. Are there other exceptions that you would make? When should you use Vue.Component? Yeah, there is a uh, front-end library. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's called uh, a Vue.Fi. It's, um, it's kind of like a, a wrapper for Bulma, which is a CSS library that's written in Vue. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge fan. It's one of the. It's super good looking. It, it works really well. Um, and in that code base, they actually use Vue component exclusively. They don't have any explicit dependence uh, module dependencies. So if you're using a library, I feel like it does make sense. Or if you're developing a library, I feel like it does make sense to use um, Vue dot component. Mm-hmm. So to offer that as an option, you know, if you to if offer, you want to just. So, so to, you mean to offer that as an option where you just want all of the components in that UI library to be available in all components? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of, because it should just be what the implementing developer actually wants. You know, so like if you are fine with kind of doing the, the more plug-in like approach where you include this in your project, and you have access to these components and you, you don't really care about having a globally accessible component, then that should be offered. Uh, but you could also do exporting modules and then the implementing developer just imports what they actually need. You, you can do both, you know? And then yeah. when you do the plugin approach, then you would use view component. If you export the modules, you would just, you just would export like an object. So what's the downside? to just having everything globally registered. Then you don't have to import it and locally register it in every component. It seems like it would just save work, right? If you just like <laughs> yeah. globally registered everything? I, yeah, it saves work, but you lose the developer ergonomics really of the explicit module dependencies. So like- Oh, what do you mean? What does this mean, the, the developer ergonomics? Like, isn't it more ergonomic oh, yeah. if they have to do less work? Well, you lose the developer ergonomics of being able to uh, isolate where this component is coming from. So when you mm-hmm. do the globals, you're saying, uh, okay, so I have a, a B dash loader component. Where does that come from? If I control F through my project and I search for B dash loader, oh, that doesn't exist. Um, so now I look for B capital loader. Maybe they registered it with a different name. Oh, that also doesn't exist. So then you'll end up going into uh, your index.js file and seeing, okay, maybe they installed a plugin to this, you know? Uh, oh, is they a Bulma or are they a Bufi? Okay, so it looks like Bufi has B-loader component globally registered. I didn't know that and I had to do some extra work to get that. And that, that's like a, that only happens when you're not the only person working on a project. So like when you, when you open up a file and you're like, ah, what is this? Uh, it, it helps to have yeah. those, whatever you need explicitly defined. Cool, cool. And are there any other disadvantages that you would say? Like any other reasons you wouldn't want to use Vue.Component? That's, that's the core one, just like, and that 
is pretty similar to a lot of other uh, frameworks how they're set up where React, it's just a JavaScript module. So you, you import that when you want to use it exclusively. Um, there is no global React. Uh, I'm not sure how Angular, Angular 1 does it globally to a fault, in my opinion. There's no option to register a component locally. Um, and that, it, it's, it's much easier to think of your components to me as just objects as opposed to components, you know, because when you, when you pass an object in a view component, as a, a requirement. So you, you know how you like, I do it in the article, but there's a components key in your view component where you can pass other view components that it relies on. So yeah. when you think about those as just plain objects, which is what they are, you can just specify a plain object in that, um, in that you can just specify a plain object in the object. It's just, it's much easier for me to kind of teach it you know, as opposed to saying like, here's this, this magical thing. When you save your component, you're going to be able to use it in the template. Uh, to me, whenever I'm like telling someone about view, it's easier for me to say, all right, so if you want to show something in the template, you have to put it in this. Uh, if you want to show a component in the template, you have to add it to this uh, key on the view component, and then it'll show it in the template. You know, mm -hmm. it's a, uh, so it's just to me it's it's a easier it's easier to teach it and whenever I'm like talking about view I love talking about how all of the view components have like the same exact structure you know so uh, whether it's a gigantic page or just a tiny little input like it's always going to have data methods whatever components it's all it's all just an object at the end of the day so it's easier to teach a view that way if you just think about it as objects as opposed to components. I will say one other advantage I know for local registration rather than global registration with view.component is that if you decide to programmatically register everything, then everything is guaranteed to be in your build. So if you stop using a component, it'll still be included in your your webpack build even though it's not actually being used anywhere mm -hmm. but if you you know if you remove the last place that you're importing it then webpack just won't use it it'll you know it it'll look through all your files and it'll see like yeah this file isn't being used by any of the other files so I, i'm not even going to include it in the final build you know so you can accidentally sometimes end up with components that like you're not using anymore and maybe your team didn't even realize you weren't using anymore or maybe you're just not using anymore for a while you know maybe you decided yeah. to keep it because like oh yeah i think we're gonna bring it back in the next sprint but you know we're, we removed this from the interface for now you know so th that is that is another advantage i think i think it's also important to to standardize which direction you take so if you do view.component if you if your entire app has both view.component and like single file and like globally and single file components that are locally registered then it can get confusing because then you're not sure what exactly is global and what is local uh, which has happened to me multiple times where i would um, on a project that i'm working on we have a ui library in which we can standardize specific components so like if you have an input or a button and so on and then you can just import uh, I, I use like you can globally register it in the project and so you have access to all of these components that you can build a form or like whatever that you want to build but then they are specific to their project which are local so it, it starts to get a bit like dicey because you're like starting to lose track and going back to your point and like you don't know where things are <laughs> because you're like oh it's weird because I'm using this component that's not actually being explicitly registered in the specific in that in that single file component um, so it feels magical and it's also a matter of like um, the, the the benefit of local registration is that you can one trace to exactly where that component is being created and then secondly that also gives you access to like figuring out what that component requires from a props perspective and like what exactly returns the methods that are available because um, there's so many there's, there's so many points where like when I work on a globally registered component, there's like button one and button two or like various different like primary and secondary. And I forget 
what exactly it it takes in, like what props it takes in. And so like just from a like to think about and reason about, it's easy to like so I, I think one way or another it's good to be explicit and being like, okay, we're gonna use Buda component globally. And so now I know that because we're using Buda component, I can go to like the UI library to check for that component versus Yeah, and with the um tooling too, so better uh the VS Code plugin will uh, give you autocomplete on those specific props if you do local registration for a component. I think that they're working on a way to do it with global components, but you would have to hard code it better. If you if you do it locally, it'll just pull it in, which uh, you, we use like every single day. It's such a productivity boost. Yeah. And I, I will also say there's another case when I like to use view.component. And this may, this may sound controversial to you, but sure. I actually like to use a mix of view.component and local component registration oh. in most files. Oh, no. And, and here's, here's the reason. I like to uh, programmatically um, require and register all of the, the base components in the app. So I, I usually use a base prefix. And these are like, you know, base input, base button, you know, these are our wrappers for like the, the essential components in our app. You know, I might have like a base modal, you know, they're very generic. They usually don't have anything to do with, you know, the actual business logic of our app. Um, you know, it just happens to be how we want things in our app to work and look. And those are generally used like all over the place, you know, and so there's very low risk of those, you know, no longer being used. And then we don't realize they're not being used anymore. And then it stays in the build. So those I like to globally register and then everything else I like to locally register. And that way, if people know, if it begins with base, you don't need to import it. And that's it's fair. a simple role. I mean, that, that still follows a standard, so I know what to expect versus just like randomly, locally and globally registering stuff and then not knowing mm -hmm. what's happening. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's consistent, that's the takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I think the biggest pain too, like when people decide like, maybe we should just like globally register everything. It's always with those components that they're using all over the place. Like if mm -hmm. it's a button or let's say like it's a link, <laughs> you know, they have like a base yeah. link component. It's like, gosh, we're using links all over the place. Do I really have to import this everywhere I want to use it? You know, it's, it slows mm -hmm. people down, uh, you know, and they don't have to like import an element when they want to use an element. So, you know, it, we're basically allowing them to do the same thing that they would do if they were using the raw element. Yeah, and that kind of that kind of makes it really similar to that of like a, a web component where you're not thinking about it in the context of view. It's just markup that is also tied to JavaScript. You know, it, it's a it's a custom tag. So yeah, it it makes a lot of sense sometimes when you're consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I could see if you're, yeah, if you're like Chris, you're consistent and you have a folder, you're putting these global components in, I could see an issue once you get like dozens of them in there. And then at some point you may have an issue figuring out which ones you're still using, which ones you're not using, or if you have to refactor, changing things out. Well, generally for any base components, um, they, they are very, very commonly used. You know, that, that there are things that aren't specific to like a particular part of your app. They're specific to just like something you want to be able to do in your app, you know, like have selects or have buttons. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for devchat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at digitalocean.com. I'd like to ask, ask Mitchell more about his TypeScript work because I know you've been writing a lot of blogs about TypeScript and Vue and I think that's kind of really interesting. I know Vue 3 has it built in to select when you create a new project. Can you talk more about that? Absolutely, yeah. TypeScript um, and Vue is just now kind of getting a lot of support for it. There was, um, we did Vue and TypeScript about a year ago. We migrated our Angular app to Vue 
and the Angular app was written in TypeScript. So we were just like, let's just keep the TypeScript. Um, and at that point, there was really not a lot of ergonomics and tooling with it. Since then, there's been major improvements, specifically in Vuex. So I'm going to do a shout out to one of my favorite people on GitHub. I believe his name is KTSN. Um, his picture is a small yellow cat. <laughs> and he is doing a ton of work on Vuex and TypeScript. So in about as soon as six months ago, there were a bunch of these uh, third-party libraries that basically wrapped your Vuex modules that, in TypeScript typing so that you can make those types safe where you not only get IntelliSense, but also uh, compile errors if you pass the wrong type as an argument. But the issue was that you had to write the code that connected the TypeScript to the JavaScript. So like it was a it was a wrapper in the truest sense where all it was doing was kind of returning a function in TypeScript that included all of these types. Uh, what KTSN's pull request is doing is it's allowing you to write out basically your store once in TypeScript. So you can say these are the actions, here's what they expect. It needs a string, it needs a number, here's the getters, and here's the, the other thing. Here's, here's your store basically in TypeScript. And then just writing it once, you basically can just keep on writing view and view X exactly how you would in JavaScript, just with the benefit of those TypeScript typings. Uh, and it, it's, it's, um, it's super, super clean, because it, it, it is exactly like the API that JavaScript provides. There's no wrappers, there's no um, extra uh, code, you know, it's just you write one TypeScript file and that's it. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It, now, there is view class component too, but um, that is going away and, and there's something view extend. So can you tell me the differences between those two um, as well? Yes. Yeah, so view class component, is it, are they still doing it? Is it discontinued? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think it's going on as, I, I'm not quite sure. If it's not actively things. maintained. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. what we built. That's what we built the app. And in. initially, it was because then you, it, it's uh, it's the same thing where it's uh, basically a wrapper for the view API. So, in if you have like a React, if, if anyone has React experience, so all your React components are classes. This was basically the same thing, just in view, where um, you specify a component as a class, and then you would add a decorator, and that would uh, add all the appropriate view stuff. So lately, and in the latest version of view, actually, I'm not even sure if it's the latest version. I think it's an older one. It's, it's been a bit. Um, I think it's version 2.5. They drastically improved the type inference. So you can actually just write your view components how you would in JavaScript, similar to how you would in Vuex. Um, but, and you get all the type safety. So before, if you did uh, view.extend in TypeScript, there was no way for TypeScript to infer that component's type because it didn't know what this was. You know, you would do like this dot foo equals bar. It doesn't know what this is at any point. Um, in the newest version, it can infer whether this dot foo exists and what it is based on what you provide in uh, as a data uh, data property or a computed property or method or anything. It just it's it's. It's uh, it's just like writing view in JavaScript, except you get type safety, which is kind of the direction I hope they go in in the future. Yeah, everything I've seen on it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, it definitely, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to using it more in my own projects. I, I do a lot of Angular in my job, and and uh, doing that, some of the benefits of TypeScript in Vue is, is really nice to have. Yeah. Are you using a Vue class component? No, we're not, no. <laughs> okay. Um, we, uh, yeah, all the, all the work I've done with Vue, I haven't used TypeScript. It's something I, I'm looking to, to add in for sure, though, just because of all the, the niceness about it. Yeah. We're not even getting that much benefit from the type safety, but I, I, I preach developer ergonomics, but just getting that autocomplete when you're typing stuff is honestly worth it to me. It, it does a, num a number 
and making it easier to reason about other people's code. <laughs> yeah, and a, a small note, you can, get, uh, you can get some of the autocomplete without actually even using TypeScript. What? Yeah. So I, because of the, the typings that Vue provides and because of the work that's being done in Vitor, uh, you can, you can, we're, we're trying to give you as much as possible. Uh, when I say we, I mean like people who are not me. <laughs> Other people on the core team are, are, working, are working to provide uh, a better experience for people um, using the TypeScript typings uh, and using the tooling that's being built for TypeScript, even for people who aren't using TypeScript. How does that work? Oh, we, we look at the TypeScript typings and we can like, uh, Invitra can like analyze the, the object that you're exporting in your .view files and give you, you know, some of the same kinds of, kinds of warnings. Uh, we, we won't give you anything that the, it, it's not exactly like using TypeScript. You won't get uh, like compiler warnings or anything like that, that, that TypeScript would give you. Mm -hmm. But oh, even, for, even for props and stuff like that, I believe Vitor is working on, and this is really you know, kind of separate from TypeScript, but has to do with types. You know, when, when you're about to type something, you know, showing you a little message about like, whether this expects you know, a string or an array. That's amazing. Yeah, to be honest, if that was possible in JavaScript, we probably wouldn't write TypeScript just because <laughs> there's that. That's what we use it for. I mean, like there's um, like the, for a lot of the apps we build, it, it's just object structure. Yeah. So like if we had the ability to see that in JavaScript, that would be uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I want to make it clear: it would give you, um, and, and currently does give you, some uh, IntelliSense but you can't get the, the actual type safety like enforced by the compiler without using TypeScript. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the developer experience with Vue and TypeScript is definitely improved greatly. It's from the, the, the Vue.extend and the Vuex kind of adding different typings. We're actually kind of cheating and we're using KTSN's pull request in production right now. Uh, the one that improved the view typings and made them uh, the Vuex typings and made them mimic uh, the Vuex API. Um, in contrast to one where we were using that uh, other library, which is there's no um, shade intended for the other library. It's just for the. It's much better to have it mimic the actual API. There's just less to learn. There's less to less stuff to break. It's it's much cleaner. <laughs> That's okay. I, I've done that before too, where th there's a feature that I really, really want and I, I temporarily <laughs> point to the latest commit in the pull request rather than, rather than uh, you know, just the latest published version on NPM. Our DevOps guy was like, hey, did you mean to include github.com slash F-A-B-E-F, whatever the hash is? I'm like, yeah, yeah that, was, that was on purpose. <laughs> He's like, oh, so it's not officially, just keep it between us. <laughs> Yeah, living on the edge as long as you know. <laughs> Bleeding edge, like not even released yet. Yeah, <laughs> not even pre-release, pre-merge. <laughs> yeah, that's it's. Um, but you know, as beta testers, we're super, super excited for this uh, specific uh, pull request. Just yeah, yeah. And if if you've been finding it really useful, and you know, you have battle tested it a little bit, I, I think it would be useful to drop a comment into the into the PR. Mm -hmm. and let them know what your experience has been. Mm -hmm. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything, has there been anything else that uh, you found with TypeScript that, that you haven't talked about yet that has improved your developer experience? Oh, man, with TypeScript in particular. So when I said we used it mostly for the, um, the data, like the object structure, and that's, that's about it, um, that is about it. To be honest, a lot of our TypeScript is using those interfaces to actually type the structure of objects. Um, I work in a technology company within a bank, so our, uh, our objects aren't the easiest to reason about. You know, there will be kind of flags that you won't even know what the property is. It'll be just a bunch of gibberish. Mm. Um, so being able to type out those interfaces with the keys and then uh, we use uh, 
JS doc, TS doc, kind of the same idea, just to kind of comment exactly what happens. So the uh, documentation for that specific key is in line with whenever you're using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, that's what we, that's the greatest benefit we found. Like I mentioned, we, we have like a really big team and we have some really big projects. So uh, anything we can do to make it easier for someone, if they were to be just kind of dropped in a file to be able to understand what's happening is a yeah. huge plus. And TypeScript offers that with the, with with basically like 5% of the features, which is what we're using. <laughs> Without having to go on a scavenger hunt. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I've been through so many scavenger hunts that I uh, try to avoid them as much as I can. The, um, so there's also this interesting thing. Um, I'm not sure if anyone on the podcast right now has worked with uh, props in TypeScript in Vue. I read your your article on it, your tutorial, uh, your blog on it. The complex, yeah, the the complex interfaces. So there's a little bit. It, it's definitely not intuitive, but there's basically a way that you can specify uh, complex props as object properties on a view component. So um, what happens is basically if you want to say this prop is this type in TypeScript. It's if you just do like prop type is I complex interface, it's not going to know what to do because all the TypeScript interfaces are stripped out whenever it's compiled. So it's just type is nothing. It's a blank white line, which is going to break your app. Um, but what you can actually do, and I wrote an article, you can Google front end society using a TypeScript interface as types as just Google front end society and it's the second article. Um, but what you can actually do is you can make a, a fake constructor. And within that fake constructor, if it returns that interface, um, view and vetter is going to be able to infer what that prop type is, uh, if, if it's an object. So like the use cases, if you have a prop that's a complex object, you usually don't just want to say object. You want to say like this object of this structure. Um, and we were able to do that by having that fake constructor. So you, um, that's also a much, much, it, it's not intuitive, but it's, it, it works, you know? <laughs> that's cool. I didn't know about that trick. Yeah. I, I think that they are having a, there's an open pull request I saw that basically wraps that in, uh, in a type. So you would just say, instead of writing that constructor yourself, you'll just say, object as prop types, open curly brace, high complex object, close curly brace. So there's, there's work being done on that because intuitively you would expect if you pass a prop type that's an object, you would be able to just say object as this prop type. You know, That's, that's what we all thought, but TypeScript will throw an error. Um, but if you do the fake constructor trick, it'll work smoothly. See, that's why I'm worried about going full-on TypeScript on, on, view, on my view projects because I'm going to run into these little edge cases where, for some reason, my TypeScript doesn't compile. And, and, and I'm like, what do I got to do? And then I got to Google around. And like, oh, you know, Mitchell wrote an article about it. Now I know how to send this complex object through a prop, but I don't like <laughs> that. It's kind of like we speak like a special language when we work with view and TypeScript because... Using a TypeScript interface or type as a prop type in Vue.js is just not English to other people, but like a lot of people are searching that exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. glad you're writing, getting that information out there, helping people out. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. And by we, I mean, it's just me, but um, we're working uh, on making sure that that information is available to people that, you're really, when I learned TypeScript in Vue, my only information was available in the form of kind of issues and pull requests. There wasn't any real source for that, like, here's what you got to do. Um, so this is the goal with Frontend Society is to be like, here's what you got to do if you want to do Vue and TypeScript. Um, hopefully in the future, all things Frontend, but for now, just Vue and TypeScript. <laughs> hey, Chris, where's the TypeScript Vue documentation? <gasps> oh. 
It's probably somewhere. I haven't written it. <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, I, I think uh, Kitson, I, I, that's one of those things that you don't pronounce out loud very often. Some of the, some of the, some of the handles of people you work with. I, I think he might have written some, but the, the, it does exist. Um, I, I think in view. Yeah, I think I think with view class component, there's some TypeScript. No, actually, on the no on our docs, we have some TypeScript. We have something about TypeScript on our there's core like, docs. There's like TypeScript support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did partially write some stuff, and, and I, I had some other people write some stuff, and I edited. Yeah, okay, yeah. So we do have some stuff. There's where it is. I just didn't remember. It's hard to remember what you've written. Okay. All right. Yeah, we do have it, and it's on the it's on the core docs. You can find it in the sidebar, and you can search for it. Yeah, he's right. There's a TypeScript support. As of Vue 2.5, we've greatly improved the type declarations. And then there's a bunch of stuff about how to configure it with, uh, with the compiler, the tooling. Yeah, this is, this is really good. I'll have to read it more. <laughs> and if you notice anything that can be improved, let us know. We're always, always open to pull requests. <laughs> Just a pull request away. <laughs> Change is just a pull request away. <laughs> I should get that T-shirt. <laughs> get it tattooed, some like on your finger. So if anyone is ever like on the side, no, I I can never get it. I can never get it tattooed because then what if I what if I start using or what if I stop using GitHub and I'm using GitLab for everything and they call a pull request a merge request, and then Ooh. everyone's like, oh man, your tattoo is obviously really. <laughs> You're yeah. still calling it pull request? God, that's so GitHub era. Now we're talking about GitLab. And, and, and actually, merge request does make more sense to me. Like, that's what it is. You're requesting to merge. That's a good point. Like, what are you, you're pull, I guess you're pulling the code into another piece of code, but it's a merge. You're merging. You're merging. <laughs> yeah, cool. there's also, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, go, go ahead. You, you, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to rave more about KTSN and the, the TypeScript work being done with uh, the, the Vuex and TypeScript. Oh, please do. So there's the, this older article I wrote called um, Writing Vuex Stores in TypeScript. And I actually think it's about time to update it because it, it talks about using the, the Vuex TypeX library, um, which it, it's basically like a, it, it's the wrapper library that I was talking about earlier where you, you wrap your JavaScript in a TypeScript package, and then from there you can import it in a TypeScript file, and you'll get type safety. Um, and I'm just looking at the the new API you have to learn, and just all of the um, the additional stuff you have to introduce in your project, where it's much clearer to just say it's much clearer and much more in line with how I think TypeScript should be treated, where the, the API for TypeScript and the API for JavaScript is the same exact thing. Just with TypeScript, you get type safety, you know? It's, it's much easier to reason about it that way. So super, super ex excited about that pull request. Cool, cool. Yeah, and if you do see something that does maybe need to be updated, you could also pull request there too. Oh, I might, yeah, I think I, I usually don't say this, but like, it's honestly perfect. Like I haven't had any issues whatsoever with it. Um, I did see there was a little bit of discussion on the pull request over a uh, long-term impact of basically introducing it. Like, is it going to be a mi major release? Is it going to be minor? But mm. um, from a, from a developer perspective, everything works exactly as, as anticipated. Awesome. That's great to hear. And he does yeah. a lot of really fantastic work. I'm going to have like a tweet, like an auto tweet every week. Just like, please, you're doing great. Like more TypeScript stuff for Vue. You're awesome. Thank you. I'm sure he'd appreciate that. Just an Autobot? Well, maybe, you know, a thank you. It doesn't have to be automated or anything. Yeah, but then, but I write software, so it has to be automated. But you, you prefer to, or you just refuse to write like a hand <laughs> thank you note. Yeah, it's like no, there has to be a better way to do this. You'll, you'll, you'll spend the entire day building some machine to put together the thank you note just in case you might need to create another thank you note in the future. Plus, what, what if we need to mail it? Like, there's just a lot of open-ended questions we need to prepare for. Okay. Well, I'm sure, requests. I'm sure one tweet he'd appreciate. Yeah. 
All right. I, I think I tweeted him. He's big. I'm a fan. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So is there anything else you've been geeked about lately with Vue? With Vue, a lot of the work we've been doing with Vue is very complex internal applications that don't necessarily have a, a clearly defined uh, a spec, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I really, really am geeking out about Vue is just the ability really to, uh, and this might just be how we structured it, not specifically Vue itself, but if we want to delete, you know, a specific view, a specific view view from uh, the screen, like it's, we just swap it out with a separate thing. So um, with a lot of other frameworks we've looked into, there's a large amount of complexity with, um, you know, kind of the store implementation where you say uh, only this component has access to the store. Um, you say you can only, uh, it's Redux. Like, so with Redux, really, you it, there, it's a lot to teach and it's a lot to learn. Um, and uh, I find that a lot of the view setup is much easier to teach to someone who maybe isn't a traditional complete front-end developer, but rather a full-stack developer that might have worked in jQuery a little bit in the past. Um, or not that that's not that that's like a bad developer. It's just someone who isn't 100% dedicated to front-end, doesn't really care if the, it's, if you're, uh, he doesn't really care if your modules are explicit. He kind of just wants the table to show up on the page. Um, so with, with Vue, what I've been geeking out really is from a design perspective, just how, how easy it is to teach, you know, and I, I teach it a lot. Like I do like Vue meetups, um, I do Vue talks and it's just, it's so simple, you know, it's, it's exactly what you want out of a framework because it's not getting in the way. It's just a way to sync your data with your website or your data with your uh, document, you know, that's it. Awesome. Glad to hear you've been enjoying the view. It's, I got, I have some views on view and they're positive. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, you know, I think with, you can make, yeah. <laughs> whenever someone says it, they can put that in in post, right? Yeah. No, they? Isn't they you? They, they isn't me. I do not do any editing, thankfully. Uh, oh. I've actually been playing around with editing audio lately and, uh, I, it is hard. It's, a, it's actually hard to, to make yeah. things sound good. It's hard to make us sound intelligent later. Yeah. And I fully expect to sound intelligent later. <laughs> like, that's just non-negotiable. Yeah, I assume um, that happens in post, so I don't have to sound intelligent <laughs> now. <laughs> I was just hoping they would, like, mock over me with something that makes sense. <laughs> um, so I'm actually curious if you guys have worked with uh, kind of view native. So there's there are there's a library out there I, I forgot the name of it but we were actually looking into it for a native app and i was wondering if anyone had any experience with that so a library called you native oh no 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 um a library for view native oh, is it weeks no i think it's weeks it's okay. weeks yeah there's, there's currently weeks and then there's um native script as well which jen looper work well She's the developer advocate for progress and progress works on it. And so she yeah. knows a lot about that. Um, I think, I think currently, cause she, cause Jen has spoken about this extensively and she's worked on weeks and native script. And she's obviously has a native script bias because she works on that team. But, um, I've worked on native script, not on weeks and like my interpretation, like I agree with hers, which is that the documentation for weeks is not as good as native scripts at the moment. Um, and I think the hope is that with native script becoming more popular, um, Wix's documentation will also improve. But for now, especially with native apps, I find native script easier to, to work with and like reason about. Yeah, and it, for people who, are, who like Ionic, Ionic 4 is also essentially framework agnostic. So you can use Vue with it just as well as you can use anything else. Uh, and and they, they even have uh, an article and, and maybe even like a getting started guide on how to use Vue with Ionic 4. And I've also talked to people who have used things like Framework 7, which I've never worked with before. Uh, and they've built 
successful mobile apps with that. So, so really with, with you today, I feel like there are just a lot of good options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were, we were um, just doing a, a native app project that I just adopted um, and it was done in React Native. And the, that's kind of one area where I do see React kind of prevailing just from the, the tooling perspective of native apps where uh, I'm assuming that's because they have a much larger team. Um, but it's, it's very seamless, you know, to set up that React Native app. Uh, I'd be interested, in, have you worked in native script? Um, I, I, I have a little bit, but I, nothing, I, nothing that's made it to production. Yeah I've, yeah, I've worked in native script. Yeah, the same. I've not worked in for it to go to production, but um, Jen Lupa has been doing, she runs View Vixens, and oh. at various conferences, she's been, uh, I think the demo that she has people working on is building a native script app using Vue. Um, and, and so far, it's, it's pretty much just creating single file components. So it's the same workflow as you would when you create a Vue application, except it ports over to native, which is pretty nice. And what, what is native script? So it, it's just JavaScript that compiles into native code? I believe so. I, I feel like I'm very ill-equipped to answer this question. So am I. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> you know what? I don't know if it transpiles the native code or it just like connects to native APIs. Or I, or I, I don't know. It does something and it makes the thing work. And then we're all happy. <laughs> and it has an app. <laughs> Isn't that the part? Of, isn't that the point of native script that I don't have to think about it? <laughs> oh my gosh! I, someone asked me how because I was showing them the React Native app, and they're like, "How does that work?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Don't ask Write me the that. code, and then it does the I, thing." <laughs> yeah, there's people that do that for me. Like, just no. <laughs> yeah, so like a view view native would be very convenient because um, there's um a you, in our team in particular, we're dealing a lot with kind of that, that learning curve right now with React. And we, we don't have a front-end in React, so it's just our native app that's using React. Um, our goal is to start looking into uh, writing native view code, so doing um, something like native script or weeks. Weeks was brought up and looked into, but I think at the time, a lot of the documentation wasn't in English, so it's not something that we would be super confident in. Um, but that's something I'm super excited for a, a native uh, view story. Yeah, uh, honestly, though, like I don't, I don't feel like we even need it at this point. Like there, there are a lot of good options, and I haven't talked to someone who like wasn't able to build like a, a native application with Vue. And mm-hmm. and like for everyone that I've talked to who's used the tools that that we mentioned, like they've been really happy with them. And so and I, I, don't, was, I don't think there's actually a pain point there. And that was with, um, well, that was with Weeks or that was with NativeScript? Uh, with NativeScript and uh, Ionic and Framework 7. I, I've known people who have built apps with, with all of those and they've been really happy. But my, my personal recommendations to, to NativeScript just because... Jen is great. Just because I really like Jen. Uh, no, no, also because, uh, you know, they, they have, you know, if you appreciate, if you like Vue, you probably appreciate good documentation. Mm-hmm. And NativeScript also has very good documentation. I think Chris is uh, telling you, Mitchell, that, you, that you're the problem. <laughs> it's, not... it's, it's me. No, well, no what, what I'm saying is, like, try it. Like, try, try NativeScript, <laughs> for example. Like, try NativeScript and NativeScript Vue. And mm-hmm. then, and then we can like you know have you back in the podcast, and we can talk about like what your experiences were. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually you know, what I'm trying to say. If, if you still think we need a native, like a view native, I'm just hinting at a future podcast topic. I <laughs> no, um, yeah, I'm not. I guess I just didn't know. So maybe like I, I honestly didn't know that it existed um, when we did our initial research. It was you know React Native, uh, full native, and weeks weeks being. Uh, the least likely we would pick just because we we didn't know that there was anything out there, you know, so there's um, That is that is my fault. I definitely will look into this though. It seems like a, a good Software and I hear Jen is awesome That she is I've, I've heard that too <laughs> she, And she speaks multiple languages, so she does really <laughs> Yes, she does and and even though she doesn't speak Dutch her Dutch is better than you think <laughs> 
he gave Dutch in a talk recently and uh, it actually, like the first time I heard that talk, it like the Dutch really wasn't as atrocious as uh, mm -hmm. I, was, I was expecting it to be. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, if you, um, I believe that the talk that Chris is mentioning is up, it is from the latest ViewConf US. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's on View Mastery. So if you go to View Mastery, they have all of the concert, conference videos and hers is up. And she walks through um, an implementation of a native app that she built in Vue. It's and really well also, done. She also gave that talk at Spotlight Vue.js in Toronto. And I felt she had just come back from Amsterdam, uh, Vue.js Amsterdam at that point. And I felt like her Dutch was better then than it was at ViewConf. So if you, if you want to see the best Dutch, you know, that's the one to see. But if you want to see the, like the most recent, you know, more revised version of the talk, then you can see the ViewConf one. It depends on what you're in it for. Mm -hmm. What were some of your guys' uh, highlights from the ViewConf? I got to meet Divya in person for the first time. That is true. It was a highlight for me. That was good, yes. Also, I think in general, it was nice to be, and I, I think this is the same opinion that I got from the attendees as well, um, is that people really appreciated the opportunity to get to meet people who are working on Vue, because like most of the core team was there. I don't think everyone was there, but a lot of them were. And so you could have you know face-to-face -face conversations, and that's awesome, because that's much better than having conversations in GitHub issues, although those are still constru constructive. I yeah. just like watching the videos because I couldn't make it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's all up in Vue Mastery. Okay. So let's, let's wrap up with some picks. Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Uh, Divya, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, since we talked about TypeScript, I would actually plug Daniel Rosenwasser's talk at ViewConf because he talked mm. about using Vue with TypeScript. Um, and I went back to watch it. My talk was after, right after his, so I didn't actually watch his talk, which I feel bad about. But I have watched it since, and it's really good. And he works on the TypeScript team at Microsoft, so he has like full insight into everything TypeScript. And then my second pick, I only have two, so this is my second and last pick, is an article by Brad Frost. And he wrote um, specifically about his experience learning React. And I, this is not a diss at React at all, but this is more an insight into beginners learning a framework because he talks about how the process of learning React was very difficult because the documentation was not written for beginner. Because a lot of the times when we create frameworks and we write documentation, we assume people know a lot of things. And so the, for, from a beginner perspective, that can be very difficult. And so he highlighted a lot of things from a super, super beginner, um, things like faults that documentation doesn't address specific to React. And so I think the lessons that he mentions can actually be ported over to, to Vue itself so we can be more beginner friendly as a whole. Yeah, I'll be reading that. Thank you. Okay, Eric, what are your picks? Yeah, uh, today uh, my picks are, I have two of them. One is uh, both Divya and Chris have, been, have participated in this organization. Uh, it's called Habitat for Humanity. Um, I just happen to be on a trip right now for it. So it's a, a great nonprofit organization where you can, their mission is a world where everyone has a decent place to live. So they like to um, you can actually participate, help build houses for people that are in need. I'm actually in Romania right now, 
doing uh, a build in Constantia, which is east of Bucharest. So it's a real great organization. Um, nothing to do with tech, but I just thought I'd mention that. And then uh, I know a lot of people are looking, especially a lot of new developers, and if you're into Vue or, or React or Angular, are always looking for good places and projects to work on. And definitely there's amazing open source projects, but there's uh, a lot of nonprofits out there that are looking for help for people who are looking to, uh, that, that are looking to work and t- t- trying to get some help. A, a great website is catchafire.org.org, catchafire.org. And you can see uh, a ton of different nonprofits that are looking for web developers um, using all different sorts of technologies to help them improve their website, get advice, help them with SEO, uh, or build them a website from scratch or do updates and upgrades. So I think those are my two picks for today. Cool. Thank you, Eric. And Mitchell, what are your picks? It doesn't have to be two. It can be less than two or more than two. Okay. Um, so my picks, I tweeted this um, GitHub link to a package called Vue-Prom. Um, and what it basically is, is a promise wrapper component where you can tell this specific component how to handle the resolution of, there's a laugh, <laughs> how to handle the resolution of a uh, promise, basically. So you can say, like, when it's loading, show this. Uh, when it's completed, show this. And when there's an error, show this. Um, so this kind of pattern, I, I actually might just not be very... Uh, I, I've never seen this being used, and I thought this was like such a good idea. And we've been actually doing it a lot, because there's just a lot of cases where you're writing like dot is fail is true. You know, it, it happens all the time. Um, and then there's another article by someone named Dylan Chanis, um, and he wrote about leveraging render props in Vue. So he is uh, talking about basically how you can use Vue, maybe a little bit similar to React, where you do use those render props and you do um, pass in things through um, like functions and my, what I like about this article isn't really specifically that, oh, we should all just write functions um, in our render components as opposed to writing templates. But what I liked is that it really broke down what Vue was actually doing in the background, which is, I always send this to people when I'm teaching them Vue because I don't want them just to look at a template and say like, okay, now it works. I want them to know what the Vue template compiler is actually doing. So this was a good, I would consider this good for like a, a mid-level view developer who's kind of always uh, abstracted themselves away from what's actually happening. Now you can now you can see what's actually happening. Love it. Okay, and I I do have to say uh, my my friend Eduardo, aka Posfa, on the core team, also has a a library like that called View Promised, and I think he did his first. Yes. <laughs> oh, is it just a ripoff? Oops. No, 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 it's not, it's not a ripoff. I don't think, I think it's two people who like came up with the same idea independently. It's, it's a good idea though. Yeah, yeah. I think his complaint was that not a lot of people used his library. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I take so it So I just back. want to I give that a plug out. too. To, to, to ViewPromised, <laughs> github.com slash Ozva slash ViewPromised. View hyphen What's prom. it called? View, view, view promised. promised. Yeah, This promised. guy must have a better SEO strategy. And, and he has tests. The other one might have test too. I, I haven't looked at it. I don't know. It, this one has emojis in the commits, so I'm probably going to use that one. Yeah. View prom, not trying to throw shade. Doesn't look like it has tests. <laughs> View promise does have tests if you're, if you're interested in more tested software. Yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, a cl- really clean pattern. It, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing this. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And then were, were, those, were those all your picks? Um, yeah, that's okay. my, that's my picks. Cool. And then my picks are the first one is another period, uh, which is a show on comedy central. And it's basically like real housewives, but in like uh, olden times or something, I don't know, Victorian era, whatever, you know, basically whenever, uh, Downton Abbey and stuff is supposed to be happening, that kind of thing. 
So it's basically Downton Abbey, except intentionally trying to be Real Housewives. And then I will, we talked about Hugh Vixen earlier, and I, I will mention that they, they recently started a Patreon. So if you'd like to support the work that they're doing to provide like resources and workshops and scholarships to people who I identify as like as foxy uh, women, then you can go and check out the Viewvix and Patreon. If you search for Viewvix and Patreon, you'll probably find it. And you can donate to help make their work happen. They do a lot of good stuff. And then my final pick is just outside. Um, if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, it's probably beautiful out. It's, it's probably really beautiful out right now. And I strongly recommend trying to go outside. Uh, you don't have to do sport or anything. You could just like walk outside, sit down, and then continue coding. And it's beautiful. I think you'll like it. What is, what you're is in this the thing south. called? Outside, outside, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I've never heard of it. I, it's I, it's I great. I've been, I've been getting really into it lately. <laughs> is it a subscription? It's not a subscription. Actually, it's, it's free, but it only comes once a year, uh, depending on where you are in the planet. Okay. Uh, otherwise, there's, just, there's outside and then there's hell, just frozen hellscape. <laughs> if you're in Michigan, we have two seasons. Yeah, I was okay. going to say, do not go outside if you're in Florida. Do not listen to him. It's way too hot. If you're in the Northeast, <laughs> do it. If you're in Florida, stay inside. Like, that's what you need to do. Yeah. So those are my picks. And I think that's it. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Views on View. And have a great week. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.